Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank We're you. Back, back in the studio, Master back. Keys podcast. Master Keys podcast episode unknown. Seven or eight. Seven or eight. Yeah. Seven point five. And we're huge on TikTok. Yeah, we're huge on TikTok. We're huge on TikTok. No one watches the actual podcast, <laughs> but in like forty-five second increments, we are very popular. Yes, that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That was good. Uh, that was good. Uh, <laughs> oh my life. Um. So well, welcome back. Episode seven or eight. Neil yep. Andrino, Chainley Halliburton, Master Keys Podcast. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks for always. tuning in. Yeah, and we're also on uh, TikTok. And we are now on TikTok. Check us out at Master Keys Podcast. Um, we're professional on TikTok, I'll say. I mean, I don't have the app, I, um, so I don't know what's going on, but I hear good Blackberry, things. And then so. Tanner hooked it up here today. Um, yeah, BlackBerry. Can I get a new phone, please? Can you download um, TikTok on that? I think so. Okay. Um, but yeah, I responded to a couple things today, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, check it out. Uh, it has some snippets there. And people are leaving lots of good feedback and questions that we're yeah. gonna trying to build. And like off from of. weird areas, like this, a lot of people are like that's not how we do it in Georgia or Finland. It's like, yeah, I mean, things are are different everywhere, but that's kind of cool. The reach is very neat. It's yeah. cool. It's cool to see. Um, so today, yeah, what's going on? We're gonna be talking about kind of an interesting thing that's going on here. Uh, it's a landlord blacklist. The blacklist, yeah, circling back. We kind of dropped a teaser about this last episode, right? And we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're coming back to it. I'm excited to talk about this one. Sorry, landlord created tenant blacklist. Landlord created tenant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said landlord blacklist, which I'm sure there's one of those too, but yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> I, may be, I may be the number one guy yeah, on yeah. that. I think we also like should show the clip here where like Neil's eyes bug out when I say like, maybe there should be a landlord registry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, moving forward, yep. and we're also going to touch a little bit more on the conservative platform because last time we intended to, but the liberal platform is quite big and there was a lot to yeah. discuss, so we went over it for probably a little over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll probably touch on that to get started, and then we'll go into the tenant-landlord blacklist. Um, also, like we always do, you want to recap something that happened in your week? Gosh, well, I think as I maybe alluded to, uh, I kind of if we talked about this on the on the air or just you and I, but I'm kind of considering another property purchase, not sure if it's the right thing. <laughs> you're laughing at me because I'm still considering it. You're like, don't do it. Just build the bigger stuff. But I'm like, but I want both. Um, so I don't I don't quite know. Uh, and then I was trying to work on a land play, um, but the seller is now ghosting me, that same guy, that uh, every time we have a deal, all of a sudden he disappears. And That's the... Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. That is the most frustrating yeah. thing in the world. You go after a property. You get the you sit down with the seller, you talk to the seller, you guys agree on a price. You know, an extortionary price. price. I was say an extortionary price where you yeah, I have this I have this exact same thing yeah. with the fourteen unit. The price sucks. And I, I tried yeah. to negotiate with him and he's like, No, you negotiate, I'll increase the price. And I was like, All right, whatever. Because it kind of benefits me more than just the property because it, yep. it neighbors mine. Send him the offer. Ghost. Full yeah. radio silence. I mean, I'm a big believer in paying for something that you want. The worst thing is when you say, okay, I will pay for that now, and you still don't get it. It's it's frustrating. So, um, so, so, so frustrating. Yeah. Anyways, that's fun. And I've got some trades, guys. Like, um, This is actually a small property that I helped my, my sister buy. And, you know, we sort of knew there were some issues around the back of the building and the decks. Um, and around the door, I was like, okay, the flashing's not great. 
and it's like peeling back an onion, man. And the back of this building is essentially like pretty rotted out. Yeah. Um, and then my normal guys were busy on other projects. Yeah. So we kind of were like trying to find a crew that would take it on. And these guys said they would do it and that they'd be there, you know, on Monday and then Monday came and they weren't there. Oh, it's a holiday. Okay. Then they're going to be there on Tuesday. Weren't there on Tuesday. Wednesday, there's no sign of them. We have to call them to see where they are. And they say, oh, we're not going to do it. It's like, so, you know, when you said you did, like, I don't understand, man, I hope people listening out there go into the trades because if you are good and professional, you will crush it in the trades because that is not the, the, the standard level of service. A lot of bozos in this industry, man. There is huge money to be made in the trades. If you just show up. If you just show yeah. up. Oh my God. I think it's a satisfactory job too. Like I think I think you do well. There's a lot of satisfaction in being able to create and do stuff. Totally. And it it was looked down a lot. Like again, from from going growing up, it was looked yeah. down upon a lot. But realistically, like if you go into the trades, you do well, you can start your own business, you learn a lot more than you would in a lot of these other basic office positions that people end up taking. Uh, and your growth potential is enormous. Like, And a lot of these guys are like, I can't believe, man, I, I can do that for 20% cheaper, right? And it's like, well, you know what the extra 20% is? Them showing up and doing it, right? Like a professional <laughs> squad runs it like yeah. a business, which is yeah. I've been, you know, I've agreed to do something and I will do it. Yeah. And you and I both, we would happily pay for the reliability and the professionalism. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these crews just don't have it. Like my guys are phenomenal. Uh, it just happened like they were on another project. So we tried to find someone else who came referred by like a pretty big guy. Mm-hmm. And that guy, we told that guy, I was like, yeah. He's like, How, how's he working? I was like, he didn't show up. I guess, well, that's the biggest mistake that guy made because now I'm not sending him anything anymore. And like, we're certainly not sending him anything ever again. Uh, but it's brutal because now I have to have this awkward conversation with tenants who don't know me yet. You know, they don't know that I am on the ball with stuff. All they know is this guy who like said the back of the building was going to be fixed and now it's not it's getting not fixed. It's not to bits and it's not yeah, fixed. So I'm going to have to reach out to them today and whatever. So yeah, just a typical week. Just typical a week. typical week. Yeah. I, what about you? I mean, to touch on that, same thing. I have a bunch of units that are ready to be trimmed out. All the fresh drywalls up. They're just sitting there. I need to get the trim on so we can spray all the paint. I can't. My typical guy, same thing. He started. He accepted the job. He stopped going. He, but his thing was to fill in the gap. He just sent over like random laborer kids mm-hmm. to put on the trim. I went and looked at it. It's like there's like different heights that butt Ugh. each other and the corners gaps are like this big and the edges are broken on the trim. And I was like, what is this? And he's like. I, I'm just busy and I'm doing this or whatever at home. And so I, I got, and I was like. Yeah, it's tricky, right? Like this is the problem everyone has with scaling businesses, right? Like, and you can be the, have the best craftsmanship, uh, you know, but if you can't figure out how to scale your business. So, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity for someone there. And certainly I wish I could go back and, you know, learn more trades because um, I just enjoy that stuff. But for someone who's already inclined that way, combine that with a business acumen, you know, you could have a, a good World's thing going pretty quick. It's a good yeah. way to get in real estate too because you oh. can do your own properties. Yeah. You can put cash together pretty quick. And you're going to incorporate. So you're going to have this money coming to the corporation mm-hmm. that then you're going to, you know, want to invest in all taxes. that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, the other uh, the other thing that happened to me this week was, uh, actually it just happened to me this morning as I was driving in, kind of funny. Lawyer calls me and goes, uh, I have a slip and fall suit for you. And I was like, ooh. <gasps> what? Yeah. Blair, I don't even Blair, know. Blair, your lawyer Blair? Uh, no, what? my lawyer, Stephen Ling. Oh. And, um. It's like a property manager or something. If someone's. Yeah. 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 No, no. He, and fall. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Jesus. So he said someone has now filed a slip and fall thing against me, which is the first one. I, have you ever had one? No. I, my, I, this building has been empty 
until this summer. So I'm like, did they slip and fall in the concrete? Like, is that a thing? This is a current tenant? I don't know. I got to check. Yeah. I don't know all the oh names of the God, tenants. Neil, that gave me, just gave me anxiety. Yeah, when I get, I was Shapers. like, he tried to play it down. He's like, yeah, it's fine. Your insurance will deal with it. I mean, I don't know. But uh, hmm. anyways, it should be interesting to see how that goes down. And I haven't looked yeah. into it yet. He said he's going to yeah, yeah. to me. And hopefully the person's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I need to know the details because I honestly don't know the details and, and, and everything because it's a fully renovated building. But anyways, we'll we'll look into it and, and then I'll probably have an update for you guys next week when I'm bankrupt and going to jail. Yeah, you're back to Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah, let's dive in here. Um, let's get into it. Yeah, we, we kind of touched briefly on the conservative platform, but we felt, you know, we should go into it a little bit more in depth. Uh, so what do you got for us? So, you well, first I'll go over it again. As a reminder, the liberal pr- platform to break it down into three things, yep. it was unlock home ownership, build more homes, and then protect your rights. Yeah, <laughs> Bill of Rights. <laughs> See the previous episode. See the previous episode to get a full breakdown of the Bill of Rights. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the conservative platform, to be honest, there was a lot of similar stuff. Mm-hmm. They hadn't created a Bill of Rights. I don't think they were necessarily as prepared either. Because that's Well, that's always the case when, like, the, you know, the, the existing party. leadership, you know, they know when they're calling the election, they can ramp up all this stuff. Um, yeah. But one thing we know is, is housing is going to be at the forefront of, uh, of this election. It's a, it's a major, th- it's a major thing for everywhere. I guess, like, I mean, you think about it, housing is, like, not one of the biggest, it is the biggest, biggest expense for most people. So I, I get yep. it when it becomes such a major thing. Um, we touch on it quickly and we kind of browse over it, but the number one thing for the conservative party kind of saying that I was like, holy smokes, this is a huge impact on investors, is allowing to roll forward all or a portion of the capital gains from basically flipping or selling property. Yeah, yeah. So unpack that for me because I remember you were really excited about that and I didn't know what uh, you were So basically what they're saying is in the event that let's say you have a property, you put some work into it and you rent it for five years and then you sell it off. Mm -hmm. Typically now you're going to be faced with the capital gains between obviously what you're into it for versus the difference of what you made. Mm -hmm. Um. They're saying that instead of taxing you on that, there will be necessarily like maybe a set period of time to then reinvest that into a new property. So as long mm-hmm. as it gets reinvested into another property, you're you're going to be faced with much less or maybe none or no t- uh, capital gains tax bill. That is huge. Similar to what they do in the States. The States yeah. has what's called like a 1031 exchange. Uh, I think, I don't know how long they're given. I think maybe a year or 18 months to reinvest the money. Basically the same principle. Um I mean, on one end, it's it's like okay, yeah, now there's a lot of people, a lot less people paying capital gains tax, maybe. Um, but on this other end, it also really invigorates the market on like continuously turning over units. So mm-hmm. there's still there's still a transactional tax, um, and realistically, a lot of those people when they do that are going to then buy a building and do more renovation, which is going to be another huge spend, another job creation. Yeah, build, I mean, or build more units. Yeah, the knee jerk reaction anytime there is like what sounds like a reduction in taxes for corporations, people's mm. immediate reaction is, is always negative. Yeah. Uh, and, and I can understand that. Um, big picture, the argument would be um, that anytime uh, a property is transacted, a lot of money is, is, is poured into the economy. And a lot of times when, when current owners cannot sell, their reason is, well, I can't afford to sell it because the capital gains is going to eat all of it away anyway. Yeah. Um, the idea with this is maybe more properties... Um, change hands so you get more renovated stock but you also get all of the economic benefits of you know the work that gets done there and all these things i mean the building i just did on windmill i put in five hundred thousand dollars i was just adding it up to the other day all right that's five hundred thousand dollars to you know appliance places uh the demo guy 
kitchen um, guys, the kitchen guys, guys the paint guys, like everything, right? Yep. The list goes on and on. And those people then go out and spend that money, and that's kind of, um, you know, the the ripple effect, if you will. That said, um, that those units that are sold are then going to be renovated, and you know, so there there is going to be this balance between temporary displacement of people uh, yep. versus potentially, you know, improving renovated stock because there's a lot of stock out there that is neglected. Yep. Um, and so there's also, you know, we have to think like there are people often talk as young people, like where are the opportunities? Like you and I talk about this, like, man, like we can't find any properties, That's you know, and, and I can't imagine, we even said this, like how fortunate are we to have gotten this ball rolling? Like, you know, you a few years ago, me 10 years ago, yeah, right. And how challenging it is for young people now, well, opening up some of these properties to be transacted, um, maybe takes it out of the hands of people who have had it for a long time and, and gives other people an opportunity to build their wealth. And while we've been touching on a lot of different subjects, political, housing, all these, you know, this podcast began about being a landlord and building wealth through through landlords. So this is yeah. something to be excited about uh, if you're kind of, you know, that I, I think yeah. if you are listening and you are a person that's tried to buy investment properties and have ever done any door knocking or you've had your agent go and do door knocking, they can attest that there has been someone who's like, I have to sell for this. Assuming you're in Canada again, because obviously in the States it's different and we do have listeners in the States. Um, but if you're in Canada, they're saying, I have to sell for this because there's a capital gains bill. And then even then when you give them that number, they're like, oh, that's the number. Nice, nice. Oh, but it's not actually that number because of the capital gains. And my thing is like, well, you can sell it for 500 and have capital gains or you can sell it for 600 and have capital gains. Like <laughs> you're going to have it, you know, agree on Come the mutual number, right? Point. Like, yeah. um, you know, and, and whatever. There, there can be some planning and things done around it, but this is certainly a new avenue. Yeah. Um, so that's the biggest thing. If the actual like that getting put through, I, I don't know. Like that's a huge, huge change. But I mean, if if it does go through, I think that would be very exciting for the investor side of things. It would yeah. have a huge impact on people's ability to do it. I think it'd probably bring a lot more people into it as well, knowing that that's available. Like when you look in the states, yeah. there's a lot of private landlords. There's, I think there's more private landlords there on a percentage basis, just because it makes a little bit more economic sense when you're at that scale to be able to to do stuff. You have more, and like you said, there's more opportunities because people are willing to sell. Yeah, yeah. Their properties. Yeah. And even on small scale, people are going to need to think about this. I mean, you know, even the model of like, okay, I own or occupied a unit and then mm-hmm. I turned it to a rental and then I own a pregnant, you know, all of a sudden then you have all these assets that are appreciating. That's great. Uh, at some point you might decide to sell them and you will also be subject to these capital gains. And so why would you be selling them? Typically it'd be to sell them to buy something larger, okay. right? So this is going to affect a person selling a duplex and a triplex that they used to live in just the same way it's going to affect someone selling something larger. Yeah. Um, and if anyone's curious, if you live in the unit, uh, and it's your primary residence and you sell it then, you do not pay capital gains. But as soon as you move out, you are effectively converting it to uh, an income property. Mm-hmm. And thenceforth, when you sell it, you are going to be subject to capital gains. What you'll be cap- what you'll be capturing though for the capital gains is what it was worth the day you moved out. So say you bought it for 250, you lived in it for five years, now it's worth 350. Um, and then you move out and you sell it for 450, you're only paying capital gains on the $100,000 of when it became an investment property. Just a little curiosity there if anyone's thinking, but you'd obviously be selling it to hopefully scale up to something else. Yeah. Um, and you know, the more of that money you can keep in your pocket to buy the next thing, the better. Exactly. And I mean, last thing as a reminder, if you're selling just to cash out, you still have to pay the gains. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so if yeah, someone's yeah, so just going to take totally. the money to go yeah, yeah. blow it on something, yep. they, they still have to pay the capital gains. It's only in the event that you assume that you're going to reinvest over. it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's, it's not it's not just like, okay, now the, the tax has gone altogether. Yeah. Like you said, everyone just ends up holding now instead of selling. Yeah. So 
that that's like the biggest item. They have a lot of the similar stuff that the liberals have. Surprisingly, a lot of times they just took it and they kind of opted a little bit. So liberals mm. say we wanted to build. I think it was five hundred thousand homes or whatever it may be. The conservatives say we're going to build a million homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> the one upper. Yeah, exactly. We're just going to yeah. double down every time. Um, they have a couple things about how they want to encourage growth around transit hubs, which is which is smart. Yep. Like that makes sense. Transit ties into housing. People don't make that connection a lot, but it really, really does. B- big yeah. time, big time. Especially in any city that starts to grow, like it, it, yeah, it's it a huge really makes sense, yeah. right? And it's really bad here. So, anyways, that that was a good one. They had the same foreign policies, which again, I think we touched on it a little bit there last time. But they had that two-year ban on foreign purchasing. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that's like a, a buzzword, kind of like a, a hot spot just to yeah. like appease a certain group of people that think that the foreign purchasing is what's causing this to be an issue. Um, I had some of the numbers here. Yeah. So like in Vancouver, which I would say is the number one foreign buyer location, yep. um, 5%, 4.8% yeah. of buyers. Okay. So you know what? That, that is actually like, that, that's enough. That's one in 20 basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it falls off quick though. GTA, so uh, Toronto. 3.4%. So now you're talking about one in every 30 buyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go outside of that, Montreal will be the next one in line, 0.9%. So mm-hmm. that's one in every 100 buyers. Yeah. Then you look at like like a city like ours, like Halifax, it's probably like 0.2%. So it's probably like every one in 500. Yeah, yeah. Like I think for these major cities, really the major, the biggest two cities, it's a, it's prevalent. But then you look at the rest of Canada, like, and also like they're all, they're already taxing those people fifteen percent, right? Fifteen twenty percent, which you know, then you might be turning off that revenue stream for those municipalities or those you know, uh, um, wherever that tax money does go. I've, yeah. That's always thought like that's so crazy to me that like they're willing to bid more than everyone else, secure the property, and then pay an extra fifteen to twenty percent on it. Yeah, man, like how bad do these people want their money out of these other countries that they're coming here, paying a premium to buy, and then paying a tax on that premium? Even it's crazy. And and a vacancy tax, I think, in BC. Yeah, like, you yeah. have if to occupy. Vac- yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to occupy the unit. I, I don't know. I, I don't honestly think it's the greatest thing ever. Like I think again, part of like the country sounds is, like, fishy. <laughs> future episode yeah i think like bringing people into major thing well we should definitely touch on immigration as someone yeah uh, as, a, as a topic but and i think immigration is different from what this is this yeah. is foreign investment this yeah. isn't like oh i've you know immigrated uh, to canada um you know i'm a permanent resident now i'm building my life here and buying yeah pro- it's not affecting them yeah um it is this is you know we have we're not residents we're not citizens we are doing this purely from an investment um, real estate perspective yep. um, for whatever reason they view purchasing and getting these funds to Canada uh, advantageous to them and so they are competing with uh, what domestic buyers whatever you want to call them but not on the scale that people think uh, but you know perception is reality just as a quick touch when you look at like the countries as, as little like banks yeah if they're sending their money to us our bank gets more money <laughs> so right like again that's whole like china's whole growth thing was they sold all this product to the states so they got all this capital from the states got Mm -hmm. sent to them and then that's when they had their big boom yeah having foreign investment is really good for a country yeah i think some of of the printing all of our own money I, i think some of the concern maybe um surrounds like it's one thing to sell a product yeah Right and get money for a product because then you still own the production. Whereas land and things like mining rights, water rights, lumber rights, when you start selling these things, Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit different. Hundred percent. We'll we'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there was that. Then they the other big thing was so they have a bunch of small little 
again, I don't think they were very flushed out. So they had a bunch of little things on how to invigorate, like housing construction, uh, renovation, more addition of units. Um, the other thing, though, I think that would impact a lot more of like the regular home buyer is the removal of a stress test. Um, oh. Yeah, removal or reduction of stress test. Hmm. Okay. Um, opening up seven to 10 year terms, which mm-hmm. was an interesting one. Um, and then also increasing the limit on how big a mortgage can be that's CMHC'd. So okay. I think right now it's capped at a million. Yeah. They want to bump it up to like 1.2 to 1.4 yeah. range, which kind of makes sense because honestly, in, there's multiple areas now where the average is over a million. Yeah. Just, I'm going to stop you right there because yeah. we're going to throw some lay translation on that. Um, stress test. So there's these stated. Uh, there's kind of like the best rate available from your broker, which might be 2.5%, but you still have to meet the qualifications or be stress tested at the higher posted rate. And the idea with that is it's going to protect you in the event that in the future rates go up. So yeah, you're getting a mortgage at two and a half, but you may have to qualify at five and a half. Um, That is the stress test. And one of the suggestions here sounds like they're getting rid of that. The other thing with the CMHC over a million bucks is... um, over a million dollars, you have to put 20% down on the property, right? Yes. So if it's a million and 100,000, you have to pay, you can pay 5% on the first million and then 20% on the next 100 grand, 200 grand, whatever it is. Yep. So as the market kind of increases and trades over a million bucks are more common, um, they're suggesting augmenting that so you can still get away with 5% down, uh, maybe a little higher up into the price point. Pace it so, with inflation is basically what they're saying. Yeah. So that's what those things mean. The last item on their mortgage list is they have basically to stop discriminating against small business owners with these stress tests and CMHC. Um, because I mean, that hits me in the heartstrings. I'm sure it does for you too. Like being a business the owner, the heartstrings, because it drove now. me nuts when I'm trying to get started. Yeah. When you're trying to get started, like I wasn't someone that was on a biweekly paycheck. Yeah. Right. So uh, trying to buy was enormously painful. I had to buy my first house on private lending. Right. Like it was a 250K house. I was making great money. But I didn't qualify for anything. Yeah. So I had to buy it on private lending. And then only a few months later was I able to then re-switch it to an actual mortgage, which even that was at 5.7% or something. Do they give any details how they're going to do that? Like what? Like uh, they, That's just the thing. Yeah. So they, it's very not flushed out. It just says fix the mortgage stress test to stop discriminating against small business owners, contractors, and non-permanent employees. Yeah. So one of the things if you're independently contracted or have a different wage structure is that they'll often want to see three years average. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're new to an industry and you may be doing great, but if it's structured a certain way, they're going to take a three-year average and your first year is zero. Right. And you might get an exception to only look at a two year average. But what if you, you know, first year you were just getting your feet wet and you maybe started partway through the fiscal year, right? Maybe only, you know, $30,000 for agents. Yeah. Yeah. Like say it's $30,000, but you did that from September to December. So, well, that's fantastic. You, you extrapolate that across the year. It's a really good number. And then the next year you do a hundred K for the whole year. Mm-hmm. So, well, they're going to look at your average of those two. 65. Right. Like, yeah. you know, so I, I think adjusting those is great, especially we've talked a lot about people getting into the trades and some of these alternative, you know, career paths that aren't Monday to Friday salaried employment. Yeah. Uh, and man, I had the same deal when I was starting out. My wife was a substitute teacher. I was an agent. You know, we could not get approved for barely anything. Right? Yeah. It, it's super, super tough. So I think for that, so I think I think that's a great thing. I, that one, I think really, really makes sense because there's a big portion of our workforce that is, especially now. And increasing. Yeah, yeah. Freelance, consulting, exactly. all this stuff. Um, it, it's a uh, non-permanent it's employment is, yeah. is increasing quite a bit. Uh, and so, and I think there's a lot of reasons that corporations are doing it, but then on the flip side, then the, the like we're getting kind of screwed on the, on the ability to get yeah. lending. I have a client who's struggling right now, uh, with long-term disability. Um, she's been on LTD for 11 years, but you have to get renewed every single year. So yeah. they don't view it as reliable income. Yeah. 
right? Like that seems pretty messed up. Yeah. Um, so we're actually going to look at an alternative broker route and try to try to find something there. But yeah, I, I think it'd be great. The more things that can help home ownership be an option for people, sooner the better. This is when brokers come into play. I find like, like a lot. Like when I have clients that are, are self-employed or one self-employed want like in there it's mixed incomes and they want to do a joint application. Mm-hmm. I almost always take them to a broker. Yeah, like banks can only offer the bank products. They're kind of like, do you fit in box A or box B? And if you're not either one of those, they may not be the best fit. So yeah. Anyways, that's kind of that. The I'm not like I said the NDP. I mean, not to discredit what they're doing. Um, theirs wasn't very flushed out. Like their biggest thing is they were kind of just going after really big on the buzzwords of like homelessness. Um, and affordability, which is mm-hmm. good. They didn't really have great policies in place for it. I'm not really going to get into it, to be honest with you. I think these are kind of the two major ones that we're going to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, in general, I, I found that they kind of had like set little things. Like right now, it's a hot topic about the homelessness. Yeah. So they had a bunch of stuff about that. But like in general, they didn't have really anything about a, a bunch of other topics. So yeah, I'd be curious to see. At the uh, time I, that I looked. Yeah, I'd be curious to see as they flesh out their platform where they view the role of government in this because obviously a lot of it is going to be, you know, in in some of their other mandates, it's been about holding the private sector more accountable, quote unquote. Um, But they also are a big believer in government intervention and and role. And and so I'm curious to see if if they're, because nothing in here, you notice, talked about building public housing. Right, yeah. In either platform. Yeah. There's like all this, oh, unlock a million homes and this and that. Basically, it's like we're going to write blank checks for the private sector to do this work for us. But yeah. like there's very little like we are going to do this publicly you know, and maintain it publicly. Um, and I'd be curious to see what the NDP thought of that because they're, I, I would say, more inclined towards um, government programs. Yeah. Um, you know, So it would be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I like yeah. To both of them had a lot of like invest or, or set aside money for those things. Like in here, they have uh, invest three hundred twenty five million over the next three years to create a thousand uh, drug treatment beds and fifty community centers. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so they they they're into it and they all kind of have similar stuff. But you're right, nobody has like a set real like. And again, what? that that's that's shelter homelessness programming. What about? you know, permanent housing yeah. for those individuals and, and individuals maybe slightly at a higher price point and all that. Um, yeah. curious to see if anyone addresses that. Um, yeah, that seems to be the one people are like, oh, we're going to put all this money out there and then let you guys figure it out. And I don't know, like I'm not big on government intervention, but um, this is something that's fundamental that I think they need to create yeah. housing, man. It's, but, anyway, we keep, we've I keep, touched, I keep, we've touched on that. that drum, yeah. We, we've hit that drum. So anyways, just again, we want to go back over that because, like we said, we spent a lot of time on the Liberal Party. We wanted to go a little bit more over the Conservative uh, Party, especially where it could be a tight race. Yeah, and uh, NDPs, like, uh, if you want to send us over the platform, anyone watching this, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Uh, and pull a little higher, and uh, we'll cover you more. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, like, we're not covering the PPC program here yeah. either, or the Green yeah, Program yeah. for Housing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And No disrespect. The Green uh, that, that's just a, no, That's no. just a little tease. I'm just yeah. joking with you guys. But um, it'll be interesting to, to see how this all shapes out because... Hot topic, man. 100%. And yeah. I'm sure we'll be touching on it again as, as things get closer. Um, anyway, so transitioning from that into our topic of the day. Yeah. You might have more background on this um, blacklist than I do because I, I wasn't I, – I, I had heard of this actually from a client a while ago and didn't look into it um, because I'm not a member of a lot of these Facebook groups – um, where apparently these were being shared. And there's two lists. One has like a thou- thousands of people. One Th- has shorter. Yes. One of them is like based in Amherst or something. Yes, one's based out of Amherst. Yeah. And there's, yeah, so there's two lists. I actually forgot to write down the names of the companies, so I'm just looking up right now. 
Um, but yeah, so there's two lists. One has a couple hundred people. The other has 3,200 names. Mm-hmm. So the Amherst Landlords Association is the one that has about 3,000 names. And then there's a local. Are there even three thousand people in Amherst? Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, I, I think <laughs> I think it started in Amherst okay. and then pooled out to the right. rest of Nova Scotia. Gotcha, that tracks. Uh, the miracle of the internet and Facebook. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, the Nova Scotia chapter of Acorn, uh, has a do not rent list that has two hundred fifty six tenants. They don't have the list. They sorry. they they got the list. Acorn yeah, sorry, is, they got is the an list. advocacy yes. group. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. they found the list, and it was two hundred fifty six names, and that's based out of Halifax. And I think they essentially anonymously joined these pages, interacted, and eventually got their hands on on this these lists. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, get, get quick, a bit, quick background. These are two Facebook groups. They have these lists and uh, basically landlords, uh, private landlords have been submitting names of tenants that are doing things, whether it be mispaid rent, um, damaged units, uh, anti-landlord. Uh, commenting online. I saw that. That's online. a little dicey. That's a, that's a very that's dicey a worms, one. Yep. And just, just basically that kind of stuff, stuff that basically is against, that's poor for another landlord to have to deal with. Um, and so they're putting their name up there. I don't think they're giving up any like real detailed, detailed information, but basically they're sharing their experiences with that person and saying maybe you shouldn't rent to them. But yeah, I, I think the issue was you know this whole concern around doxing and, and putting someone's information out there uh, and maybe creating a, a prejudice or a bias against an individual. That this is this is the obvious concern with it. Um, I see both sides of this one, Neil. The same. same. One, first question: yeah. Do you have the list? I don't. Yeah, neither do I. Nah. I, I tried to join I was it. like, my first thing, I was like, like, do I press like following for the list? <laughs> like, you know, I'm kind of curious to see it. That's I would like nature. to see the list. Yeah. Um, I tried to join a group uh, to to see the list and uh, I never got accepted. That was almost actually last week. Um, but I think that's with everything going on, they might not be accepting new oh, people heck because no. there's some risk on who's joining really quick yeah. here right now. The Amherst Landlord Facebook group is like, why are we seeing all this renewed traffic? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I see both sides of it. I'll let you go. Go ahead. That was it. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Uh, um, so the, I, I obviously put myself in the position of a landlord where we as landlords rely on often the um, reference of a previous landlord. Yes. It's in there in most applications. Yes. Please provide the, the contact information for your previous landlord. I get those calls all the time. Yeah. And you know, I've made those calls all the time. I'm sure yep. you have the same. Yep. So a landlord reference is nothing new. Yep. Um, the difference is it uh, usually is voluntarily provided by the tenant. Yes. And when they can't provide one, obviously you start to get nervous as a landlord. Like, what is this issue you had with your previous landlord? You know, rightly or wrongly, as a, sometimes you're con- concerned mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess going... Specifically, so with that being said, then would you, if you had access to a list, would you just do a quick name check? Um, I mean, I guess if I had the list in front of me and it was alphabetized and I was like, okay, last name this, I'll, I'll check it out for sure. I yeah. think anyone who's going to be able to, oh, holier than thou, no, I would. That's like saying I also wouldn't call their references. Of course I'm going to call their references, right? Like, of course I'm going to check these things, um, but I'm not going to go to my way to make that list or seek out that list. I'm saying like literally if you had it in front of me here, I would be curious to check it and I would probably recognize a couple names on it. Um, but um, I wouldn't go out of my way. I mean, yeah. I've got my own vetting process that I feel good about yeah. and knock on wood, I'm probably a few hundred tenants in now. Yeah. Um, and the only times I've been burned, it's been like my own foolishness. Except in one case, I, 
um, got a positive recommendation from a landlord who was clearly just removing a problem tenant from his building and sticking them to me. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I've thought about that before when I've talked to them. And like, then why, why are you getting rid of them if they're so good? And I'm like, because I got to do something. And they're like, he's a problem tenant. And I'm like, no, he's not a problem tenant. I, I literally just need to. Um, but then yeah. after I had that person say it to me, I was like, ah, that kind of makes sense. Like if I'm called, because I've had a few bad tenants. Yep. And, and I've called their references. And now I don't know if their references were just like their friend that they gave me their phone number yeah, for. Yeah, totally. That's the other thing. Like there's no fact checking on it yeah. really. Um, or is it is it that the landlord's like, I don't want to deal with this person. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I've had the concern as well, which is why I try to get a few and, and uh, usually rely on the employment one most because that's the easiest one to vet. Yeah, I, I mean, the challenge is you worry about someone being on there wrongly. Wrongly is maybe not the right. Like someone who's not getting a fair shake because maybe some personal conflict with with the landlord or something like that. So it's being labeled as some of this aspect is is like partially illegal to do so and releasing the information. Um, So I think the first thing off the hop I was thinking about is kind of like, I don't think anyone's giving out personal financial information. I think they're just sharing their experience with that person. Again, I haven't been on the list, so I can't 100% speak to it. But there was, they, they did have some interviews with a few different legal aides and lawyers and things like that that said, you can't legally disclose this info. Um, yeah, I think there's like a why. Like this person, this is their name. This is why they're not recommended as a tenant. And yeah. I think that's probably the extent of the information, um, but that is presumably private information. Yeah. Now, I, I know on the bottom, I don't, I should have brought one of my leases, but on the bottom, we have a little disclaimer about taking their info, checking their credit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think actually what they were saying is with that, technically you're covered and you can actually be able to kind of have some conversation with another landlord regarding what, what's been said, because basically explicitly they know that their information is now given to you and you have the ability to utilize it kind of how you please, not in the sense of like anything, but you have the ability to disclose it to somebody else that's in the same industry for, for those kind of purposes. Um, all this being said, some places like in the States, they have like the tenancy board has damage history records. Mm-hmm. I think so, that's, yeah, I don't understand how anyone can think that's not legitimate. Like, I, uh, I think uh, that's a great, yeah. a great idea that you can, you should be able to call up like, okay, like the Nova Scotia tenancy board, like realistically they, they are for the tenant right now. There really isn't much <laughs> available for the landlord. Like, they, yes, they do have their systems in place, but we've all experienced them. They aren't necessarily the quickest to, to push through, and yeah. right now the sentiment is very much towards against the landlords. Um, so if you had the ability to like, okay, so here's your steps: like we do our credit checks, we do our, our whatever income verification. The last step is just a quick call or an online portal uh, with a tenancy board. Type in the person's name. Boom, there's their their info, and yeah, they they're they're clean on that. I mean, it's not a guarantee. But it doesn't hurt. And then if you do have an issue, you have the ability to submit it. And maybe they make it a, a process where, okay, as a landlord, you submit it. If they disagree, they can dispute it. Like you can upload landlord, you can upload the pictures uh, and what happened. And then if they dispute it, then you can have a little bit of back and forth. If they don't dispute it, then it's, it's on there and filed. Yeah. I think something like that definitely needs to happen because it – and I mean it can go both ways. I understand that also landlords – uh, should probably be held accountable for some of the things that they do as well. Yeah, like I, I – you know, as I've mentioned – I'm fine with the landlord registry. Yeah. Right? I think a great compliment to that would be a tenant registry. Yeah. And this is why Uber is so great. Yeah. This is why Airbnb, like, why is the service so much better there? Yeah. Because it's like, I'm going to hold you accountable and you're going to hold me accountable. 
Yep. Right. And I think that is a good two-way street, so long as it is fair and impartial. And I think the concern would be, well, what if someone, you know, gets on this list that isn't fact-checked, that isn't vetted, um, and it then, you know, makes a a problem of them trying to find a place that that's hard as it is even worse. Um, So I I think maybe the original intent of this list would have been, uh, like, to genuinely, like, help other people. Like, you know, if I had a horrible experience with someone, the last thing I would want is for someone else to have that same experience. Yeah. Right? So then it's it's easy to see how it would go from, like, okay, this is me keeping, you know – you know, telling this to some other people that I know in the industry, like, hey, listen, you know, I know you rent the building right down the street. This person just moved out. They did this. They're going to be looking for an apartment. They might apply to you. Just so you know, it was a bad thing, bad experience. They trashed the place. Yeah. I don't think there's anything bad or wrong about that. As soon as you turn it to a document and then you circulate it online, you're asking for trouble and there's no, it's, I'm not surprised that this became this issue. Um, but I think, well, if we're saying like, let's formalize it and govern it and make it a real thing. Uh, why shouldn't people be held accountable if they trash a unit, right? Because I can tell you the the half a month security deposit isn't holding them accountable. Um, the tenancy board is not holding them accountable. No. And really, like I've got papers that have been issued to me from small claims court that say like she owes you $5,000. And then I said to the judge, this is my first experience, I go, how do I get it? And he goes, good luck with that. That's what he said to me. He said, good luck with that. Yeah, there's, there's no um, chance. Yeah, there's no chance. Um, so you quickly learn like, well, I have no recourse, so I'm just going to eat it. And this is yeah. going to be the cost of doing business. And, you know, um, it, it it sucks and, and it, it hurts. And But you roll with it because there is no accountability there. I, I think accountability on both sides would be great. I think of all these names on the list, it's got to be grossly out of date and probably not that much of an exhaustively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but it... it it's Prior to this news story, I had never heard another landlord, and like a good percentage of my friends and colleagues are landlords. Never once had one of them been to me and said like, "Hey, look at this list," or "Hey, you should check out this list." I've never it's one really... one time one client who's pretty like online Reddit, you know, Facebook savvy, like he, he's yeah. he's in deep on that. He mentioned it exists its existence, but I thought of it as like, oh, Amherst and like an old list, like it's it doesn't interest me or affect me at all. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I have thought, my gosh, like. I hope no one else rents to this person that I've, that has just like destroyed a unit or whatever. And you know, there's another Facebook group called I think like Landlord Horror Stories where people post pictures, um, and you know, you get to see. And um, you know, one of the points though that that one of these groups that was kind of concerned about this was like, well, what if that person was going through a mental health struggle? What if that person was 100%. going through a bad time in their life and so on and so forth? And I say, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that one mistake shouldn't then, you know, ruin a person's next experience and blah, blah, That said, right, whatever someone is going through in their life does not undo the damage that was done. And I often have this concern with like, you know, you are responsible for everyone in the building. Right. Yep. If it's a 12 unit building, yep. you're not responsible for one person's, you know, um, emotions, mental health, you know, substance abuse. Like you are responsible for the safety of everyone in there. Yep. So, um, you know, it is this balancing act of wanting to give people a fair chance, but also trying to keep a safe building for everyone there. And, and um, yeah, so I didn't know. I don't know if I felt I totally bought that excuse. Like, well, what if they were just having a bad day? It's like, well, if they're having a bad day and trashed like my property. I don't want them to have a bad day in someone else's property. That's my either. thing. Is it, could they had the bad day once with me? Did they have it with somebody before? Are they going to have it with the next person? And I understand the mental health struggles that also go into this. Um, but then there's still some sort of accountability that needs to be taken, right? Because again, somebody else like 
if they have another mental health issue during their time with the next person, they do the same thing. Like, how does that become the responsibility, like you're saying, of the of the next landlord? And it's kind of like, is it your responsibility to pass that information on? Yeah. Um, and I just it, don't think it, it needed to be formalized in the list. One, I don't think the list is going to be helpful at all. Anyway, two, if you can't vet people on your own, you probably shouldn't be a landlord, right? Like, if you needed to refer to a list of naughty people, like, then, you know, maybe you're not checking your people out well enough anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, on that flip side, though, I mean, a a list probably doesn't hurt, but done by an impartial party, like you said. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, we're not done by a group that really is partial in one direction. Yeah. uh, Because that's going to just create probably resentment and issues, and it's going to become a big blowout no matter how you swing it, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I agree with that. I just, yeah, I'm with you in the sense of, like, it's tough. Like, it's because you're right. you're, You're responsible for these people, and you're held to a certain standard. But then on the flip side, they can go out and do the damage. And then, yeah, half month's rent great. So you have 500 bucks, and they just now smashed a whole bunch of shit that's worth 10 grand. Yeah. Even five grand. Like, it takes no time to do a ton of damage. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I had someone, um, you know, I was renovating the whole building, and I told her, like, listen, you you can stay here to the end of your lease, but, you know, not after. Yeah. And that ended up being around 10 months, right? Like, so she was in there a long time. Yeah. You know, chain smoking in what had become a, a smoke-free building. Um, you know, and... You know, I had the whole time offered her money to move out. So ultimately, I think I paid her like $2,500 plus her security deposit. So whatever, $2,900. Yeah. um, Just to leave at her convenience anytime in there. And she left kind of like one month before she was going to have to leave anyway. So she made out pretty fantastic. Um, And then on the way out, like ripped the glass door of the building off the building. Like, you know, a $1,500 door just like, you know got whoever was moving her, like her son-in-law or whatever. He just ripped it off the building. It's like, you know, so, and, and then to, to put her unit back together, um, you know, and I was putting about 30 grand in per unit, you know, I had to do extra smoke remediation. Like, you know, so I, okay. I was out, you know, a lot of money just with her moving out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sh- not surprisingly, no one ever called me for a reference about her. Uh, and if they did, I, I typically take some, like, listen, you know, um, she smoked. Mm-hmm. But she paid her rent on month every time, and I never had any noise complaints. Right, and because that, that's a valid description, she could be you a would, perfect. You would leave out the fact that she ripped the front door off. Um, I mean, technically, I think uh, it was it was her mover that ripped it out, and you know, if I'm not going to pursue any sort of recourse on it, I don't think it's yeah. Um, okay. But also, also the reference would have been asked for before she moved out. Like you know, I, I don't know, not asked. Yeah, I'm not sure how to answer, but like, um, yeah, I, I think. If you're going to hold some people accountable, you should hold everyone accountable and, you know, but it should be in an impartial way. Uh, I think to some degree, this is probably extra concern about something that's not a big deal. And for anyone who's like, I'm worried that I might be on that list. It's like, why do you think you might be on the list? That'd be my follow-up question. Like, what'd you do? Right? Like, I'd be kind of curious. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Right? Like, yeah, hundred percent. If someone yeah. if someone was dressing with the list, I'd be like, well, yeah, why are you on the list? Yeah. That being said, I can also see where like there's there's again like you said personal stuff where there's disputes, and the other one that is a little weird is the anti landlord. Uh, yeah, you can't police what people are saying online. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, on that same note, I didn't know this, I guess, but browsing a person's Facebook is considered collecting data. So technically, as a landlord, unless you've disclosed to them that you're doing so. You're not really supposed to or allowed to then go creep the person's Facebook, hmm. which I found really weird because the only way you can see a person's Facebook, assuming you're not their friend, is if they've made their account public. Yeah. 
So they've decided to have a public profile that shares yeah. all their information. These are things like where do, where do we draw the line of common sense, right? Like, but then as a landlord, technically you're not allowed to look at that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've looked at, at tenants online for sure, right? Like, <laughs> um, you know, I have this thing signed here to confirm that you don't smoke. And yeah. then you go to their profile picture and they got, they're smoking. It's like, well. <laughs> Six darts. Come on. <laughs> Six darts, one behind each, <laughs> each ear or two. Like pulled Just up in the sleeve. and package in the yeah. pocket. Um, yeah, again, um, I think that people need to be realistic about, um, you know, how they've been as a tenant too, right? Like yeah. I, I look at this now and I think this actually would be a really – um, valuable training. Like there's tons of things that we don't get taught in school. One of them is, is how to apply. We t- learn a little bit about how to apply for jobs. Then we quickly realize none of that matters. Jobs are often about who you know and, and yeah. you know, leveraging from one job to another and all this thing. Yeah. Uh, but we do learn how to write a resume or a yeah. CV. I think some people, um, you know, need um, help learning how to apply for apartments and how yeah. to stand out as a good tenant and market yourself. Like, this is something that's very important. So put some work into being yep. selected. Like, you know, I, I have some applications come in and it's just like, you you didn't even try, yeah. right? Like, and, you know, I'm looking at these trying to make a very difficult decision because there are a lot of applicants. Yeah. And so like, if you do not even try yep. and when I meet you in person and, and when you fill out the application, it's hard for you then to, to be selected. That's a total digression um, for another topic. But I think, man, you know, um, certainly like when my kids go to rent, I'm going to sit them down and say, hey, this is how you kind of make an impression that's positive and be selected in a competitive renting market just in the same as anything else. Are you going to look at their applications more favorably if they're trying to rent from you? <laughs> my kids? Yeah, that, I mean, I think uh, I'm okay with a little bit of nepotism. My kids can, can rent in my building. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just thought of this now you're saying that too. Like I, I again, I don't go through the applications anymore myself, but when I did, I remember, so yeah, like you said, it, it was a range. Like some of them were just like, this person's basically being like, we can beep this, fuck you on a page. And they're like, okay, here's my rental application. And I'm like, yeah, why are you like, I hold, yeah, yeah. I hold the home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You need the home. Wouldn't you want to try and create something towards me? Not that it's like this, like I'm the king and you're not. But it's like we're we're about to enter some sort of a partnership here. However, you want to look at it, yeah. Right? Like we should um, be working together a little yeah, bit on yeah. this. Yeah. Um. But I just thought it would be a neat one that'd be kind of cool is if they like included photos of their current place. Um. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like totally, I'd love to be like, cool. Yeah, I'll swing by and we'll do. Uh, we'll I'll pick up the application at your place. Yeah. And just sort of see what the place looks like. Totally, man. Because you don't know if someone's a slob until afterwards. And yeah. a lot of the damage is like, oh, this person's just like a slob. But, yeah. Like just a um, lot of stains on the floors and yeah, yeah. wrinkled up flooring because of stuff and damaged yeah, trim and all yeah. that. Um, but yeah. I mean, we'll I was never pl- be able to have that. Just like, um, you know, there's a leap of faith that a tenant takes. Like we were talking about that. Like these tenants who've moved into my new property where the back of the building is like damaged. They're like, they don't know me. Yeah. Right. They don't know if I'm a good guy or a shicer. Like as yeah. far as they know, Maybe they've just been duped and that work's never going to get done. Oh, yeah. Um, now, that's not the case, <laughs> right? Um, but, uh, yeah, it is a it is a relationship where I think both sides need avenues to keep each other accountable. But including that online and distributing it without those people's knowledge, it's not a good luck. It was going to end up in the hot water, especially in this context. Any other year, this might have been lost in the shuffle. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but this year, it, it's, it's in this. Speaking of that. Landlord-tenant topics are hot. 
And there's always that ebb and flow. Do you remember that poor family in Cole Harbor that like rented their house out um, while they started a, a small business? And then this notorious landlord scam artist moved in He's and trashed client. the place. That yeah. The tenant or the? The landlord. Okay. Right? Like, yeah. um, you know, and, and just really like destroyed this person's life. Yeah. You know, but th- this was, I think, national news because this person had had ruined this young family's life. And and they had done it multiple, multiple times um, with no repercussions. Um, And eventually, like, just didn't pay rent, trashed the place, um, and wouldn't leave. And wouldn't leave, and and the owners had no ability to get them out. Meanwhile, their new business that they had started as a family was struggling amidst COVID, and this person was suffering, hemorrhaging money month to month, while someone else was able to live in comfort in the home that this person owned. Yeah. and people stood up and said, that's not right. They supported the landlord. They got this bozo kicked out and I think charged and whatnot. When he finally got possession of his home back, yeah. he also found out that this guy had stolen his identity and wrapped up like tens of thousands of dollars in credit debt. Like, And it's amazing how the media coverage ebbs and flows between like, what are we going to talk about today yeah. and sympathize with? And then what are we not? And these are the extremes at other ends. Like there's totally horrific landlords and then there are totally horrific tenants and no yeah. one can convince me that a system whereby that dirtbag tenant who did this to multiple people yeah. and and you know ruined someone's life a young entrepreneurial member of the community family yeah. like ruined their life like that person needs to be held accountable before it becomes criminal yeah right before there's a reliance on the criminal like they should never have been able to get yeah. an apartment again yeah um because they'd done it so many times um so what's the balance i don't know but um yeah, hot topic for sure. I think I think in creating that, too, I think you'd see the number of these issues go down a lot. A hundred percent. For for again, that's for what accountability bo- is for both parties. Yes. Like landlords in their head, instead of being like, ah, I'll get to that whenever the hell I get to that. Yeah. Or like I'll just keep ignoring this tenant. In their yeah. head, they're like, if I keep ignoring this tenant and I don't do this, I'm gonna get end up on this list. It's the exact reason I I don't clean my own house as well as I clear clean the Airbnb when I leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> this is what accountability does. Yes. So I'm. I'm about it, man. I'll, yeah, yeah. It, I, I think it'll keep it'll keep the landlords wanting to do their thing, and also tenants will do, do a double thing before they're like, "Okay, before we destroy this, because we'll have nowhere to live ever again." Totally. Maybe, maybe we yep. won't. But yes, we're pissed off, but we can handle this civilly. Leave and just we can say our screw yous and move on. And then there exists a platform where true mediation and third party arbitration, whatever you want to call it, can be had because there often is, as that person mentioned, you know, that was you know, outspoken about this being a bad thing. Like, oh, maybe that person was having a bad day or going through a particular experience. There often is more to this story, just like you were dragged through the media for, you know, a two bedroom townhouse, you know, that should have been rented for 1200 bucks. You know, you bought it and you moved there. You're going to repair it and move it up to $1,600. So it would have been a $400 increase to reflect work, you know, read as a hundred percent increase because it had been historically under, like there is more nuance to the story and that doesn't always excuse things and it doesn't necessarily change the outcome, but it does matter like context and the truth does matter. But without a platform, you know, Either side can't be held out. It does go both ways. If you're going to listen to, oh, there's more to the story of that tenant. Like sometimes there's more to the story with that landlord too. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And like you said, right now, it's 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 kind of, I would say, against the landlords in this current feeling. Yeah, but totally. Yep. It, it, like you said, it ebbs and flows. It goes back and forth. Um, but yeah, that was an uh, interesting one. I had this story in my head that I have to say just really quickly. It goes back a few minutes to what we were saying before yep. um, about like checking out landlords. 
And so this is when I was on the renter side. I own no mm-hmm. real estate. I was in university. Um, and I bounced around university a lot because the way my, my program worked is I had to move every four months. Okay. So I, I had to get a lot of apartments. Um, well, what we used to do is we would go, we'd do the showing, um, whatever, see the apartment. If we kind of liked it, we'd get back in the car, wait until the landlord got back in the car. Once the landlord left, we'd get back out. And then if almost always it was multi-unit, I, actually it always was multi-unit. Like we're, it's down university area. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way we're renting a house. Um, but then we'd go knock on the next unit. Like if there was a unit upstairs and we'd go knock on their door and be like, Hey, like just think about moving in downstairs. Everything's good. Like, you don't have any issues. Da, da, mm-hmm. da. And so every single time we did that. And honestly, it was really good because there was a couple places we went where they're like, yeah, no, like this is all the issues, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Um, but honestly of the times that I think all but one, that was only happened once with the person that there were some issues. Everyone else said that everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, uh, that was kind of our technique in handling it. And I think some of my, my tenants I mean, have that's, done that. That's totally reasonable due diligence. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like I, I think that's a prudent thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt right in the time and, and I'm glad we did it. Um, but I just went, when we were talking about that, it popped in my head and I was just laughing because I remember we'd get back in the car and then we'd be sitting there and sitting there and sometimes like a landlord would be on the phone chatting or yeah. doing another showing Yeah, and we'd be looping around the block and I was like, at some point they're going to be like, what the hell are these guys doing? Yeah, yeah. And now a lot of that happens. So like, to put, put it this way, in my Facebook community group all the time, someone says, hey, I'm thinking of renting of this building. Anyone had any experiences in there? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, so yeah. this is online people sharing reviews about a landlord. Yeah. Right? If someone all of a sudden took that and made a list, we'd be in the same scenario. Um, so, and again, I don't think that'd be that bad, but let's just formalize it. Um, but again, I, it's never going to happen. I don't, I don't see us getting to the point. Like, you know, of all I, the problems we have to address, I can't imagine we're going to devote the time, energy, person power towards a landlord registry anytime soon. It's just so difficult to track and then to do a tenant one as well. I mean, there's thousands of new tenants entering the market, you know, every year. It's just, I don't know. I mean, so there's, there's two things I'm going to touch on with that. So when they want to do an Airbnb registry, they're quick to put that shit together because it's going to equate to dollars tax and dollars, cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Tax dollars, right? Yeah. This isn't going to equate to any extra tax dollars. No, it's going to spend is, a bunch. This is going to spend a bunch and yep. a bunch of headache. I This is, I mean, this is my gripe in general with uh, basically government done programs and registries or whatever it may be. It really doesn't need to be that complicated. Like there's, I could pull a guy out of comp side that could put together a couple pages that would autofill forms and it would yeah. have it all in there. And if you had like two people administering it. Yeah that already work at the tenancy board or add them to the tenancy board and all they have to do is when it comes in, they have to approve it mm-hmm. or like, and it can all be like, it can literally be done. So it's fully automatic. It sends to the, the tenant yeah. that they're now been submitted to this and they can make a response and then it just it goes into this current systems we have. Like, I don't think it needs to be overly complicated. It's definitely got yeah. some steps. I'm probably, I'm oversimplifying. I remember there was a bed bug registry. Like someone created a website was like report bed bugs here, right? Yeah. Like some something not that dissimilar. I don't, I don't think it needs to be that intense, but as per anything that gets done and where obviously it's public, there's going to be a lot of input and things that are going to be agreed upon and disagreed upon, it'll become insane. Like you said, it'll, it probably will never come to fruition. That being said, though, again, in multiple states, in the, uh, multiple United States states, <laughs> it is a thing that they have a damage history hmm. list that the tenancy boards do maintain. Wow. Yeah. So I, like, I don't think it's that far-fetched, and I, th- I think it kind of kind of yeah. makes sense. Right. Wow. Okay. I mean, I know I've got to run. i got to yeah. go slang some houses. Yeah, so. a little, little bit shorter by a few minutes, but that's it. That's, I think it's always. the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Usually we're always overrunning time cutting it back. But yeah, yeah. good chat. 
See you Thanks on for listening. Yeah, see you on TikTok. Check out our TikTok. Are we getting some stuff up on Instagram? We will be. We're starting some stuff up on Instagram. Feedback, yeah. and if you know us personally, shoot us a message with something you want to hear or if you disagree with something. But we would love it for you guys to, to put it on YouTube or TikTok with a comment, a like, something that we can work with. But yeah. Thanks for listening. Love the uh, engagement. Yes. Exchange of ideas. Exactly. All right. Rollo. Where's over Hey. Yeah.